So uh, this is uh, Tyler with the Grassroots Living Soil Podcast. We have Steve Cantwell. Um, Steve Cantwell is uh, kind of the ground zero for the Grassroots Living Soil beds and was the first commercial facility to order those. So I wanted to take a moment to uh, bring Steve on here and talk about why we got there, how we got there, and a little bit of Steve's career because it's honestly, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, we're here to, here to chat living soil with Steve Cantwell and I'm very excited. This has been um, a long time coming. Definitely. Well, thanks for having me, bro. And thanks for, for all your guys' hard work and, uh, and helping us along the way all these years. Uh, definitely thankful to have you as a, uh, uh, your support and a partner in this. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. And you've, you've made it very easy and, uh, you're, you're an easy grower to deal with. You know, these situations are pretty simple and, uh, you keep them simple. We keep them simple and, um, just trying to do the best quality we can. And we're just so glad that we can satisfy somebody's needs, um, beyond just a normal fabric pot, because that was kind of getting boring to be honest with you. So glad yeah, we're able no, to do got, more. Like that edge, man. Uh, you guys are pushing the envelope. Like I try to push the envelope. So I'm, de- I'm thankful to have you guys, man. Um, you guys take on any challenge I throw at you, uh, with record time and, and always, always come out on top. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. What are you rolling up there, man? Uh, I got some tango. Um, it's a, kind of like a Los Fino thing. It's a special to me, no one else. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is actually my first time smoking, so we'll see how it goes. Nice, nice. That's exciting. It, it was one of those plants where she, uh, when it was time to take clones, we took clones. Uh, I took clones, and she kind of didn't look good for a while, so we kind of just got rid of those clones. And then like the last two weeks of flower, um, she just surprise everybody and it was like one of those mm. damn it i should have known better than to cut those clones um <laughs> kind of oh man yeah that's an interesting name tango there yeah it was by uh what's his name michael owens uh passed away i think uh, a year mm. about a year or so ago yep wow awesome man so yeah let's let's kind of get into um you know, ground zero with the LS beds, the living soil beds. I'm just so used to calling them the LS beds here in the office, how we categorize them. But um, yeah, man, you brought us in there and you said, hey, we need this done on the inside of, of these beds. And um, we pumped that out to you. And uh, it was awesome. And, um, you know, do you want to talk about kind of, uh, I know you, you went over this on, on um, uh, Hash Church um, a while and went into very in deep with that. So I don't want to go into all those exact details, but you know, why, why you felt it ne- was necessary to, uh, to get there. Well, you know, I mean, like, like I've said before, everything I do, I try to kind of look to nature and model after nature. Um, and, and there's a lot of really good um, concepts with the, with the fabric pots as far as the air pruning the roots and whatnot. Um, but then at the same time, when you're trying to run a living soil system, you don't typically in nature, you don't see, um, your soil evaporating from all sides, from top, bottom, left, right. Um, so we just seen some inconsistencies. A, b- a bubble was forming at the bottom of the bed. I couldn't sink moisture um, fast enough. It was drying faster than I could sink it in my soil. Um, so yeah, we, we we had some ideas. Um, we we finally came to the conclusion that wrapping them with saran wrap to try to slow the trans the, the evaporation from the sides down um, would, would be a good uh, test run. We did it. Um, we had amazing results um, in some areas that we didn't even see coming. As far as uh, not only did we reduce our our watering, but we actually were able to uh, drop the RH in the room a little bit. Um, 
which was a big thing for an indoor grower dropping relative humidity um, can cost thousands of dollars. So to be able to do that with a, with a roll of saran wrap uh, was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, pretty trick right there. And that's how I tell people, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's how we, we always go into that as in like, Hey man, like if you don't believe me, just go wrap one of your pots in saran wrap and sit there and watch it for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. But then you guys came out for that. I think it was the MJ BizCon, and uh, I walked you guys into a room with wrapped beds. And I was like, "Well, secrets out. Let's talk about it." Uh, so this is what I kind of found, and I, I I showed you guys, explained to you guys the problems I was having, and then uh, and yeah, we, we kind of we started burrowing out on some bed ideas, and then yeah, we made that first initial order. Um, still waiting to make more orders. Just growth is slow with COVID, but looking forward to. To two, uh, to three in it with you, <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, definitely. With your whole greenhouse facility, you're going uh, putting up there. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're we're slowly going there. I'm not really in a hurry to finance a bunch of debt right now. We're doing good, so. Uh, but we'll get there eventually, dude. Uh, not rushing it, but yeah, when that when that day comes, the, the only difference I'll make I, I just want fireproof beds. Uh, so yeah, it's expensive, but uh, I, I want to be able to light them on fire when I need to. Yeah, that's definitely um one thing we came we thought about was um a 20 foot section of fireproof fabric that you would lay down to allow you to uh treat a large section or a large area um and then move it down and and treat another section but you know wait we'll figure out what we got to do when we get there and how we can incorporate it so Yeah, it comes. I know you guys will be able to tackle it really well. Yeah. Um but we're we're ways out so we got time. But uh, as far as that goes, man, yeah, the by by wrapping those beds and then the ones you guys designed for us, um, it, it, it tremendously helped out indoors. Um, we still get the advantage of the root pruning um, where it's needed. Uh, we, we get the um, lots of breathable um, areas in the pots as well. Um, so it, it's just all around good concept. It's a good idea to run. Uh, I'm really glad to see people incorporating it in their gardens. I think they're going to find a lot more success um, early on. Get a lot of the trial and error that we had um, the first several years trying to trying to develop a, a consistent watering schedule around that flaw um, was definitely challenging. So I think people are off on a better foot nowadays um, with this product. Good, good, and that's awesome. And that was kind of our goal with coming out with that that living soil pot and getting it out there to the masses. Because when somebody comes to us with such amazing results and and all these improvements, we're just like, man, we want to we feel like we want to do the best and and bring that out to the community. Um, I think that's what, that's what really differentiates a good company from a, a dying company too. Is you guys are willing to make those those changes, you're willing to evolve um, with this industry. Um, and it's, I'm sure that that first couple beds that were challenging to make, you guys probably have your you're like a like a, when you go to a, a taco shop, you ask for a taco, they make that taco a thousand times. It's easy for them, but you ask them to you know not throw sour cream on it they're probably going to mess your order up because they've already made that talk a million times, but you guys handled it well, man. You guys didn't mess up anything. You guys always come through like champions. Uh, see, I have a hundred percent faith in your company. Uh, stoked about it. Awesome. Awesome. You got a beautiful background you got going on there. Is that your new place that you got? Uh, yeah, it's our house. We got a little homestead here. Uh, moved back to Comp uh, a while back. Uh, it's where GLP is located from Nevada, outside of Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah, I got a little five-acre property that we're going to try to do like a off-grid homestead eventually. Um, should be cool. Nice. Plenty of room for the dogs. Yeah, about five acres. Beautiful. So you got some pretty interesting stuff you're doing now, um, some new concepts you're, you're throwing forward. You want to talk about any of those things? 
Uh, yeah, the, so the new one I threw at you um, were those uh, bottomless pots. I haven't shown anybody on the IG yet because we're about to transplant into them. Uh, not next week, but the following week, or we're about to finally start using them. But you've proven the concept, obviously, with other containers and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So we took, uh, and there, there's actually something people are following us. I see people making the same mistake, uh, and it's going to lead them down on a, a slightly bad week of stress. Um, people are cutting the bottom of their pots off after they plant it into them. Um, you're going to cut your roots a little bit. You are still going to see stress if you do it that way. You're not going to mess up. It'll still be worth it the next run. You just you are going to see a little bit of stress. I, I, I cut that on some uh, some seed plants. Uh, I cut the bottoms up after they're planted, uh, and I did mitigate the stress of planting by doing that. Um, the idea is to cut the bottom of the pots off, the plastic pots off first, then fill them with soil, then plant into them. Um, that's how you want to do it to completely mitigate any transplant stress. Um, so that's what basically what we did. We took our old pots, we cut the bottoms off, filled them up with soil, um, we planted directly into them, and we just set them on our beds in place. Um, and by doing that, we didn't have to dig holes, move soil, refill pots. Um, we really, really cut out a lot of a lot of labor. Um, and, and at the same time, not only did we cut, cut out labor, but we also cut out plant stress. By, by setting these plants in, uh, on the beds, uh, we, see, we reduced uh, transplant shock, and we just watched the plants just grow into the beds and continue to grow without ever really showing any stress. Um, so the beds that we did, we, always did, we did one bed every room and uh, of, of a strain that we were pretty heavy in, and that bed every single time outcompeted all of the strains uh, or all the beds that we, uh, we planted our old, our old style. So it, it definitely works. Um, this will be our first time trying it with the fabric pot style. I don't see it being any different for the, for, uh, for the worse off anyways. Um, so it'll look really clean. Uh, it's going to be, again, it's, it's the way to go if you're running living soil beds. And again, we're still kind of early to doing it, so I, I might feel different in a year. Um, but for the most part, right now, everything we're seeing, um, this is definitely the move to make. Uh, it's labor is money, man. And uh, by cutting it down, uh, we're saving a whole day, saving. right? Maybe just, I mean, not having to dig all those holes. I mean, really, yeah, full a full day of just hard brack breaking work, man. Um, actually, more like two days. Then so you got to clean up the mess too. Um, so it's definitely uh, saved some time, and you got to refill the pots by doing this. But now it's time we just pull the pot up. Uh, we're not even refilling it; we're just topping it off. Mm. Um, so yeah, said, but we'll see how long we can do that before having to dump it out and reamend it. Um, eventually, we might have to dump the pots out, you know, add something to it, aerate it a little bit, and then fill them back up. But we're going to see how long we can even go without dumping the pots out. That's the next That's the next thing, the, the next phase of this new style that we're in. Um, how far will those pots go before they're, you know, bone dry without nutrients? Yeah, yeah. And getting down to those compounding factors, too, of like how much that saves you over having to be able to go, you know, maybe three, four runs before having to do that. I mean, that's that's awesome, man. You got to be pretty stoked about these innovations. Yeah, it's, it's getting good. I just got to hurry up and build a greenhouse so my people don't run out of work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, all these changes. And then, uh, yeah, my, now my, my girls are walking around um, with nothing to do. So uh, we definitely got to expand and keep them busy for sure. Which is part of the uh, hash processing you're doing. I'm, I know that doesn't take much labor or anything like that, but I'm sure that's cool to add that on. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky situation for us. Uh the, the state's kind of given us a little bit of time to play with it. Um, they they, uh, they allowed us to do it a year ago. They gave us permission to do it. Then without really telling us, they kind of took it away. And then we started doing it, and then they told us we couldn't do it. We're like, what do you mean? We have all these letters of you saying that we can do it. 
Um, so then they gave us um, the ability to do it for about a year. Um, and in that year, they're supposed to help us get a production license um, or lock down a production license. We have to make an effort to get a production license in some way. Um, and then we'll see what happens in a year. Um, so for right now, we're going to make as much hash as we can in a year and uh, see where that goes. Beautiful, beautiful. And you, you're probably getting a big demand for that all of a sudden. People are like, I've, I've got the, I love the flower. You know, I know your bud, the bud tenders at the places were buying it before it could even hit the shelves for some of the people. So I'm sure it's the same with the hash. <coughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so far it's been our first week. Uh, sales went good um, so far. We'll see um, if, the, if they reorder next week, if they sell out. Um, that, that's going to be the true test. Um, but yeah, we've been getting a lot of hype. Um, I kind of... Unfortunately, uh, I started hyping it too soon because we started hyping it back in December. I look at it kind of like it's like a, a fight. Um, you you got to sell a fight. You got to be that Dana White. You got to be able to hype a fight. Um, you can't hype a fight too soon. You can't hype it too late. You got to get people ready and pumped up or at the right time. Um, so I started doing that like late December. And then the state kind of put, put pumped the brakes on us. So then now I'm kind of like trying to rehype this fight that was already supposed to take place last December uh, in my mind. So um, I'm kind of being cautious. Uh, but now that we drop it, it's dropping this week. Uh, we're going to start pumping out a lot of content, showing people what we're doing. Um, but yeah, people are stoked. Uh, I hope they really enjoy it. We're doing everything we can to make sure that we're putting out the best solventless hash you can. Um, you know, it's organic, living, uh, living soil indoors. So it's really clean. Uh, we're washing it good. We're doing full spectrum. We're doing all the good work techniques. Uh, we're, we're going as far as we're delivering it in coolers, uh, on ice packs. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, dispensaries should be able to get it in their freezers um, in, a, in a reasonable amount of time without it buttering up or, or turning to shit. Um, not that it would, but uh, we're just going above and beyond everything we can just to make sure. We know the dispensary is going to charge a lot of money for it. That's completely out of our hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just what we can do to make sure that people are getting the best um, possible product. You know, That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's hey, well, that's what the other person on the other end that wants to hear when they're spending all that money for that high end product that it's going to be gone through that much care too. Because I'm sure there's people that that like all those different wide ranges of consistencies too. So if it didn't come to them perfect like that, you know, there's some people that love that that you know chalkiness or that kind of thing. You know, honestly, I I, I really I mean, a lot of people are really big deal. Every little detail, if they can find a way to nitpick something, they will. You know, um, yeah, that's, that's probably why trick. they're popular. <laughs> product your nitpickers are, are really um they're 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 pretty harsh sometimes so you, we're trying to do the best we can man to keep everybody happy um i won't be doing any like any full melt bubble hash anytime soon um just because again i'm not really um looking to get uh nitpicked and and the microbial testing is a little more challenging on that yeah. uh, but right now we're gonna be dropping some fresh press rosin um eventually we'll try to do some some cure techniques some cold cure maybe some jar tech and some things like that uh, but right now, just trying to keep it simple. Um, just trying to get a, a nice little rhythm going, and then from there, we'll expand. Beautiful, awesome, man. Um, do you want to talk about um, kind of the Steve style of like? I'm interested, like, what's your process when you're redoing your beds and like reamending and stuff? Because it seems like you don't till anything. Um, so, are you when you amend? Are you amending like soluble um, products and watering them in? Um, no, I try to. I try to use. Um, dry amendments as much as possible. I, I look at my beds as worm farms. Um, I, I took the early uh, Elaine's course and uh, her segment on worm farming, um, one of the things that she had 
recommended is not to feed your worms more than they can eat in three days. Um, if you feed your worms more than they can eat in three days, um, larvae and pests will lay their eggs in that in that food source, um, and they'll have enough time to hatch to get to the next stage, life stage. Um, but if you only feed your worms what they can eat in three days, anything that tries to lay eggs will have to pass through the digestive system of the worm, uh, and it won't make it through. So I try to use that concept because I don't like fungus nests. I don't like I don't like pests in general, obviously. Um, so we try to go on on the light side of top dressing dry amendments. Uh, and again, we just monitor the soil. We top dress once a week in veg. Um, we try to get everything we need to into the soil um, once a week um, for four weeks. So I top dress basically for four weeks, it going into flower. But as soon as the flowers show up, you, you kind of got to stop because the dry amendments are dusty. And you don't want um, shit getting in your weed, you know? Uh, so yeah, I just do a light top dressing and I water it in based off of soil reports. Um, one thing that recently snuck by, uh, or got by us is that we upgraded our lights. Um, I got some friggin' gnarly false, uh, A3Is in my facility. Now these 1500 watt LEDs are just insane. Um, favorite light I've ever worked with by far. Uh, but we threw these lights up. And I've been running the same system for about four years and some change under the same LEDs. And uh, out of nowhere, we doubled our yields. We're like, oh, man, this is like the, the best problem we've ever had. Then we overfilled the dry room. Uh, well, no, let me back up. We, we doubled our yields. Our humidity went up. So then we had to uh, redesign our, our dehumidifiers, add some more dehumidification because now we're growing twice the plant. Then we harvest the room, and then we fill overfill a dry room, collapse the dry room. So then we had to build a whole set room to handle the weight uh, meanwhile while putting all those fires out i wasn't really paying attention to the soil and i didn't realize man you doubled your yield you're pulling twice as much out of the soil oh man uh, so a couple of years ago i went full biological man i i go light on my dry amendments uh, my soil tests always come back slightly hot if anything uh so i've always gone light on my top dressings and then uh and just gotten heavy on the biological i, I, I do brew a lot of really good teas i use a really a lot of good in-house compost um and i've gotten really far doing that uh but man, I'm telling you what, when you start pulling some serious weight, um, you got to look at both the biology and those soil tests because uh, the biology can't always keep up, I found out. And I started, this last cycle started fading on me a little bit harder and I'd never see it fade early in my plants. Um, so it caught us off guard and I had to take some classes and learn. I took a soil doctor's course. He put a course right at the perfect time for me. So it was awesome. Uh, took his course about, I don't know, halfway through it right now. Um, but it's really been enlightening um, to look at both sides of the spectrum now. I got to look at the, both the biological side and the agronomy side of it. Um, because, and how they you know, affect each other. They, they, they usually don't jive. You know, one usually says the other don't matter. Um, but now I'm finding out, man, if you want to run this thing as fast as it can go, you really need to keep them both in check. Um, so that's kind of where, where we're at this last time. Uh, and above that, what, uh, uh, so – what that led me to is I just basically had up a top dressing a little bit. Um, hmm. Just had to get a little bit more nutrients into the soil, feed the soil a little bit more ultimately. Um, but I try to stay away from soluble anything as much as I can. Obviously, some things are soluble. You're not going to find um, too many forms of potassium that aren't soluble. Um, you're not going to find calcium that's not really soluble. Um, so there's most stuff you're going to put in your soil um, when you do run out is going to be a soluble form. You have to water in a sun level. Um, and why don't you like yeah, solubles? I just don't like salts as much, you know. Um, I, I try not to put really salty shit in my soil. Usually, um, usually everything's like a, a sulfate or a, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's got a. I just don't like adding. 
And not only that, but it, my thing is, is at the end of the day, like when I use dry amendments, like typically it's like an alfalfa or like a rock dust or uh, a crustacean meal or a kelp. Uh, I feel like worst case scenario, I can get those things myself. Um, I don't know where to get potassium silicate. I don't know where to get potassium sulfate. I don't know how to create um, some of these um, calcium. Uh, I can't mine gypsum. Uh, I, so some of those things make me nervous. Like if I ever had to close my gate and, and, and just go full off grid, I wouldn't be able to recreate some of those elements. Uh, and I, I just don't like relying on things that I can't. Um, worst case scenario, take care of myself. Um, so that's kind of my personal little beef with them. But other than that, um, that's no, that's it. a huge eye opener for me, man. If you close your gate and have to be self sufficient, how are you going to do it? And can you do it? And you're you're already five years, so ten years it. ahead of it. Yeah, I got to look at the potassium cycle. Where do, where do I get potassium naturally? That's that's the main one I'm having a problem with right now. So if you, I, I know we got we got uh, biochar is the one I've been leaning on the heaviest right now. Um, but yeah, if, if someone out there knows the answer to that, let me know how I can grow some potassium. Yeah. Or even, um, focus in on what biology sources the most potassium, you know, and really going towards those populations of biology, you know, what I guess would be the other side of it too. Yeah, I, that could, that could, that could also work. Yeah. Awesome, man. So in a certain sense, like you're stacking these new pots on top of the beds and it's not causing you to disturb the soil and then the plants still just blasting super deep into that thing. Like what does it, what does it look like when you harvest that and then you're peeling that thing off the top? Like you like, is it like Velcro coming out of a thing? Like what's, can you explain that experience for me? Yeah. So the first time we weren't really sure how we were going to run it. So like I, I grew a cycle and I had just like the one pot uh, or the, the, the single plant pot on the soil. Um, and we thought we were just going to cut off the bottom of the pot. Uh, pull it and just replace it with a new pot. So that's kind of like where I thought it was going. Um, but no, that pot was anchored, man. And it was a lot of work cutting it. We lost a lot of soil. Um, it kind of killed the idea. Um, so what we did versus trying to pull that initial pot up that was just, just recently harvested, um, we just did similar to my other style. We just planted right next to it. So we just had the new pot right next to it. Um, and then we went back to that old pot like two or three weeks later. I mean, they're still sitting there, but just to mm-hmm. check it two or three weeks later, and uh, it was loose, come right off. You could lift it right up, full of soil. Um, yeah, it was super easy. Uh, so here, what is it, two weeks I think it is? Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. We're planting them in two weeks. Um, but the room gets planted in about six weeks. Here in six weeks, I'm about to do it on scale. Um, we're going to pull these up. We're actually going to plant a whole room with the pots. But, yeah, that is the concept is just to set them on the bed, to leave your main body of soil as undisturbed as possible. Uh, and just, yeah, just just let the plants their thing and what is your time frame from harvest to reset uh i have Har- a day a day i, I harvest rain typically on a tuesday uh, we break the room down on a wednesday and we're usually when i say break a room down we do a top to bottom um clean uh i clean every light we clean every wall we clean we, we blow our 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 our, our electrical stuff um, we, we do a really thorough cleaning job um, so yeah, we just, uh, we clean Wednesday and then replant Thursday. So I have one day downtime. Wow. That is very fast. And so you're yeah. doing your, your soil samples, you know, a couple weeks before harvest. Um, I don't really, t- I, in the past, I never had a reason to test my soil all that much. I, I would test it really like once a year. Um, and then I would kind of tailor my, 
uh, maybe maybe a little more than once a year, but I would tailor my my top dressing to the what I was seeing trending. So what would I see the trends were? Hey, we're starting to get a little bit low this, so we need to you know back and hide this. We need to back off that and incorporate this a little bit more. Um, that worked really well for a long time. Again, until until we increased our our our, our lights. Um, it, now I just got to increase my my feeding. Um, but yeah, soil testing, uh, now I'll probably do a little more recent, uh, or a little more, uh, continually just, just to get a new pattern going to see the new trends under these new lights. Um, but once those patterns kind of establish, um, once I run it for a year or two, uh, I can, you kind of get an idea of what you're pulling out and, and what you need to put back in and you can really start to test less and less, um, and have a better idea what's going on. I've kind of like tried to hint to that, but I've never really been down that path myself because I only get to grow once a year compared to you. You know, you're just turning over, turning over, turning over. And I've hinted to the past, like there's got to get to a point where we don't have to test that much and we can get to those patterns and get to those kind of things. So that's so encouraging for you to say. And I just like, I going into a season of encouraging people to soil test, you know, especially because there's so many cannabis growers out there that have never looked at the biology or the, their soil on a, on a, on a chemical level. And, you know, the increases you can get or the, you know, just efficiencies you can get is, is out of, out of the world. Um, you know, for me, it's been insane. I've had people say, Tyler, you're an amazing grower. And I'm like, well, thank God for them soil testing places, because I don't think it would have been as easy. Definitely. You know, yeah, no, it definitely helps. Data is good. Um, I mean, too much data can complicate things uh, and, and get expensive and, and really uh, just muddy the water. Um, but yeah, early on, you could really, really rely on the data, really rely on the testing. But like I said, you're going to see trends form. You're, you're going to you're growing the same crop time after time. Uh, you, you're going to get an idea. If you're paying attention, you're going to see the pattern. Um, you're going to have a really good idea of what to put back in. What's an update you can give us of other stuff that's growing inside your grow rooms besides cannabis that you have there? Um, I know I've been in there and seen strawberries. I've seen some lettuce growing. I've seen all kinds of cool stuff. Where's that headed right now? You know, I'm slacking on my companion plants a little bit, actually. We just ordered a bunch of new seed. Uh, I'm going to go back on it and start really um, going heavy at that again. Uh, but no, just just for the most part, yeah, I, I like my banker plants. So uh, pepper plants are always welcome in my space. Uh, my my favorite um, cover crops um, I've said before are uh, chickweed and dicondra. Um, weed has a really nice airy uh, uh, fluffiness to it. it. Creates a really good environment. Um, dicondra is just a really good ground cover. Um, it's slightly, uh, invasive, but it's a good thing when, when you're growing, how, how we use it. Um, I just had to stop but, doing uh, clover myself cause it was taken over in my beds. This, I mean like root ball roots like this shooting three feet in every direction. Like it just drove me nuts. Um, and you're, you're in a greenhouse, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's really hard. Indoors, I can control things a little bit better. Um, I can shut a bank of lights off after I harvest a strain, give it a couple of days of dark, usually slows it down. Um, but outdoors, I mean, maybe try covering it, um, worst case, with some cardboard. Yeah, uh, that's a great idea. But yeah, the the clover is definitely, we, we, had, we had too many problems with it. Um, I mean, I might play with it again in the future if, I, uh, if, if nitrogen becomes a problem um, that I can't keep up with. Um, maybe I'll find a way to, to use it. Um, but to have it running rampant through your beds um, can, can get a little, a little hectic at times. Uh, just, it just hosts too many pests. Um, it's, it's everything likes to eat clover. It's high nitrogen. Uh, they love it. So 
Uh, it's just always going to be that that lingering problem. Um, at least indoors for me, it was. And um, the, the the pests we have out here, it created that problem for me. I can't speak for everybody. I haven't grown everywhere in every situation. Um, but yeah, for us, it was definitely not worth the squeeze. Are you growing any plants as nutrients for your system at all? Um, I mean, everything goes back into this, um, but not specifically. Um, not really, no. Uh, okay, like aloe vera or anything like that? Oh, well, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, we do grow aloe vera. I guess you're right. That That, that is salicylic acid we use for cloning and all the saponins, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, we do grow aloe. We grow all our own aloe. Um, we do buy a little bit of aloe from Bildersville from time to time um, that I'll use for more of a foliar if I'm ever doing like a foliar application uh, just because like the fresh aloe will tend to leave like a little gummier flakes kind of get on the plants it just looks a little weird sometimes um but other than that yeah we try to grow all our uh, as much aloe as we can um other than that um just random plants i really see what what wants to grow in our garden we get a lot of volunteers um I mean, i've had tomatoes pop up we've had uh random flower plants pop up mushrooms galore pop up and usually if, if something grows good in our system and, and in our time frame it'll keep growing um I don't have to replant chickweed. I don't have to replant dichondra. Um, I mean, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we have a bare spot compared to the rest of the beds. We might throw some seed down. Um, but for the most part, well, once we go in our facility, it grows in our facility. And so far, um, those are the plants you see. And everything that you're doing, you can probably produce your own, obviously, mulch to mulch the top of your beds. Yeah, I mean, mulch for us, uh, we, we put as much of our cans back into the system as possible. Um, so, like, example, in the summertime, we'll, we'll collect um, most of our stem and stuff. It dry. We won't compost in the summertime just because of the flies. Uh, it's just not worth it. Um, so we'll just kind of – we collect during the, during the summer months, uh, everything dry. And then winter, we compost. We, we try to flip as many piles as we can while it's cold, while there's not things flying around. Um, and anything that we can't – fit into our composting process and then go directly back on the beds and mulched. Um, sometimes we might pull it out, dry it, then put it back on, um, add to our mulch layer. Uh, but for the most part, uh, our mulch layer is, is, is very, uh, very healthy as far as I have brown, green, rock. Uh, we, we have a really good mulch layer forming. And what we actually began to see in our soil as different horizons form now. We have like, like a good six to eight inch, I would say about six inches, um, of just pure castings <laughs> and just what we pop dressed over the years that you have to really scratch to even get to our original soil mix um, before you start seeing the original uh, uh, pumice and lava and, and, and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. So are you, am I ever going to sell you new beds for that room? Or are those things just going to keep rocking for the next 50,000 years and pass it on to all your, your beautiful children? uh so no what what i've been doing is i actually got uh, uh talking about ryan too um but no what i've been doing is uh we have a plan the beds are given out before the soil um in fact everything in that room has been changed out except for the soil at this point fans except for the soil and our ac units um du's fans everything's been upgraded um but what we end up doing is uh i want to make it to 100 cycles that's my goal um i, I think it's i kind of said it before i kind of spoke into existence and i kind of got to see it through uh at least do my best to um what i end up doing is locking them in place once we know the facilities it's pretty much designed how we want it to be now i don't have any surprises coming up we're gonna lock the wheels in place keep them on wheels um i'm gonna basically skirt them to where there's to the ground that's no water moisture and get underneath the the beds because cleaning underneath beds suck uh 
And then I'm going to weld because we had, we made our old frames. And we're basically just going to weld some metal po- posts on them. Um, it's kind of hard to explain without showing like on a piece of paper. Uh, but we're just going to push them all together, weld some uh, some things on them, and just rewrap them. Um, you, I'm going to have you guys make me a wrap. And we're just going to rewrap it like a freaking gordita and, uh, and cut out the old beds uh, without having to move any soil. Uh, so that's kind of the plan going Oh, forward. I got it. Okay. Um, yeah. Nice. So, and that way we can, again, um, still keep counting our, our cycles, you know, still make it to a hundred cycle no-till. Uh, it'll just be rewrapped beds, basically. Yeah, just cut the bottom where the fabric is at the bottom, pull the sides up, and we have the other sides already sitting there. You put the other sides in place and then just remove the other ones, and then you're maybe going to mess up a couple inches of soil on the sides. Yep, uh, yep. And then it was just let it all fill in, uh, top dress some compost on it, let, let it close the gaps, and uh, yeah, keep rocking, dude. So that, that's, that's so kind cool. of my plan um, when the time comes. Uh, we're going to have to strategically do it. We won't be able to do it all at once. So um, one cycle, when we had that day downtime, I extended to a two- or three-day downtime, and we might weld some posts on. Then the next cycle, we'll push, uh, the next cycle, we'll push them all together. And, and every cycle, we'll probably get one step closer uh, to – to, to rewrapping them basically um, without having, cause again, downtime, I, I can't afford downtime. Uh, it costs as much to run my building when it's cropping out as it does when it's not cropping out. So we always yeah. gotta be cropping out. Um, so you're going to end yeah. up adding to the length of those rows then since they don't have gap or aren't going to have as much gaps in between them and stuff like that. Right. Uh, yeah. I already kind of put, I've already pushed them together the new way we run the room and okay. I have a central one wide center aisle now and what i'll usually do is i'll roll like some tester plants in there or um some some potted plants uh in that one wide aisle and we'll kind of we'll use that as our just you know our open free space nice awesome um what are some advancements you can see coming into the cannabis industry in the next couple of years or something you can uh wish into existence that we need oh man that's a good question. I've been thinking uh, about this one for a while. Yeah, I wish you gave me a heads up on that one. <laughs> uh, I like to do things on the toes, on the tip of the toes, man, because that's whatever comes to your mind is what we should be talking about. Um, I mean, I, I know where the industry's going. It's not to say where I want it to go, <laughs> um, but obviously, I think AI is a real thing. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the hydro guys and we plug in, plug into that pretty hardcore. Um, I got, I know some, some other things that, where I know I'm going to introduce some things to it, but I can't say yet. Cause, uh, I promised the company I'm working with, I wouldn't say nothing yet. Um, I mean, obviously uh, the trends are kind of already set. It's kind of going that direction. I feel like everybody's, um, for the most part, we're starting to see more of a living soil rise. LEDs are taking over. Um, yeah, even Gavita dropping their LED now. So I, I think everybody's kind of going the right direction for the most part. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good okay. thing. That's some more thought. Good, good. Um, are you still you still training, man? You still you still rolling, doing jujitsu and stuff? Uh, I haven't been doing jujitsu, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, I do from time to time. Uh, like if my buddy has fights, um, usually I'll go do some shark drills, and I'll, I'll be one of the uh, sparring partners. Um, but for the most part, it's been kickboxing. Uh, I kickbox twice a week. Um, my coach Juan K cold pads for me. Go down to one kicks gym. Uh, bang on some pads, uh, let the energy, uh, that anger out. Um, but yeah, it's something I enjoy. I'm, I'm a martial artist, so it's just, just like I smoke cannabis. Uh, I, I, I gotta train. I gotta. It's just one more way. I gotta um, work out my brain. I guess. 
can you bring me like a, a three, bring me through like a 30 second snapshot of like your day of like, you know, how, what incorporates you getting through your day from, you know, as in like routine wise, you know, um, like what makes you successful out of that routine is really what I'm interested in knowing. Yeah, no, I'm very routine uh, oriented. I, 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 I'll make the wrong turn just because it's part of my routine. If if something changes, you know, uh, so routine I think is very key. Um, having uh, having your day kind of planned out, and mapped out, that way you don't have to think about it. Um, it is definitely key to success. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I wake up as early as I can. Uh, I have a son now, so I, I get morning shift. Um, my wife puts him to bed. I wake him up. Um, so I'm usually the last one out of the house. Uh, but yeah, I have a cup of coffee in the morning. I, I wake up. I make some phone calls. I go to my girl. I check on my girl. I get my team outlined. Uh, then I'll go train for a couple hours. Um, then I'll head home, check on my, my team. Right now I got a, a guy who works um, at night who does hash. So I'll get done training. I'll go check on my hash guy. Uh and then, yeah, I'll hit the house, and I got five acres that I have something to do on every single day. So I never have a single um, spare minute um, to just chill. So, yeah, that's pretty much where it's at. I just stay busy, man. Nice. Nice. That's great. So um, we saw you get into um, deep water diving and stuff like that. Do you have any other new passions that are just uh, came out of nowhere that you saw that you're just diving into? No, I mean, free diving and spearfishing is definitely anytime I get a vacation or I get, uh, you know, a weekend to, to do what I want to do. That's what I'm doing. Um, actually leaving this Friday to go to Hawaii for the first time, uh, was supposed to do some spearfishing, but unfortunately the Island I'm going doesn't have any charters. So I'm kind of bummed out. I'm like working out like a madman trying to get in shape, um, just to take down a big fish. And I guess I'll just be tanning on the beach now. So that sucks. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoy spearfishing, man, uh, free diving. Um, I recently got a Can-Am, uh, but I'm not really into that, I'll be honest. Uh, I just don't know what to do. I go out in the desert, I drive the damn thing around. There's no fish or anything to go look for. Uh, so I just kind of end up wandering around. But I live in the desert, so we got one of those. But other than that, no, I mean, I just smoke, train, shoot fish. Nice. That's awesome, man. Sounds like a great life. and I'm, uh, yeah, You're definitely enjoying it, and that's awesome. I make the most of it, man. You know, it definitely has ups and downs. Got to enjoy the good while it's here. And now, okay, now that's what I forgot about. Um, so, um, do you have any tips for people in building a foliar spray or, or putting one together, formulating one, and being successful with that? Because I think there's more to that than people imagine. Uh, I mean, really, foliars are, are tricky. It's it's something I I, I probably need um, some help with overall. Um, but what I could offer more is just lessons I learned what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely go on the light side, careful with oils. Anytime you spray oil of any kind, make sure you're turning your lights off or dimming them. Um, and then uh, if you're using any soaps as like a surfactant or just, you know, for whatever to, to stick, um, make sure that you wash them off um, and you dim the lights when you wash them off because it's going to reactivate it. You could burn your plants all over again. Um, so like you, you spray, say with like a, a Dr. Bronner's, you spray some whatever, Dr. Bronner's or something on your plants. You think you're good. You come in the next day and you, you, you wash your plants off with the rain on them, whatever. Well, you just, you know, the lights on, you could really do some damage to your plants right now. Um, so I, I would say, uh, just be careful what you're spraying on them. Try not to, I, my thing is I try not to spray at all. Like I try to spray as little as possible. Um, and then when I do spray, it's primarily, you know, either water, aloe or compost tea. 
uh, I try not to spray oils on my plants. I'm not big on that no more. Um, but I mean, if, if you have certain issues, you got to do what you got to do. I get it. Um, but for the most part, if you don't have any issues, if you're not seeing a pest problem, if you're not seeing um, any deficiencies that you need, uh, Epsom salt, foliar, or anything like that, um, then don't spray. I mean, just just wash your plants off from time to time. Keep the stomata clear, clean and open so the plants can breathe. Uh, obviously, uh, aloe is always a good, safe foliar. Um I've never gone too heavy with it. I've never really seen anything negative from spraying aloe whatsoever. So that's kind of just a safe one. Um, does a lot of really good. Uh, but yeah, I, I would just say just don't spray your plants as much as you can uh, is, is what I recommend. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What about spraying equipment? Any, anything you, like I, in my mind, I almost like keeping it as simple as possible. Like just simple, the better. What do you feel? Uh, so like you're saying equipment to, to, to use. Yeah. All right. I'm glad that's a good question because there's this silly little machine that I love called a Rainmaker. Uh, it's a little five-gallon um, plastic, super cheap um, uh, sprayer. Yeah. Uh, you can get them like house or online. Uh, but, dude, they rock, man. Like, they're, they're, you plug them in, you charge them. Um, they have, like, a one-year warranty. The only thing that ever really breaks on them is the uh, the switch, which you can hardwire, or the knob, which, again, you can hardwire. So, worst case, if, if they break past the warranty, we just pop the switch off and just hardwire them. Um, so, that's a backpack so sprayer? A, a, pa- a battery-powered yeah. backpack sprayer? Yeah, they come with a little cart, but you don't want to be carrying five gallons in your back. That's, that's just a little oh. too much to be carrying uh, but they come with like a little cool little cart. But again, like it's like super cheap, like plastic. Um, it's nothing like heavy duty. I, w- I wish they would make like a heavy duty version of this exact sprayer. Um, but it's called a Rainmaker. Um, it's my favorite little tool in the garden as far as adding compost teas or uh, foliars in general. Um, it's, it's a good little tool. Are you super- beautiful. That's that's what we want too is cheap and simple and, and works. Um, yeah. Are you still hand watering in there? Currently, yes. Um, we, we, I have plans um, of, of going to a semi-automated system, meaning that it's not going to um, – it won't be fully automated. But we're still going to be – the best soil meter, in my opinion, is, is still this right here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll still be monitoring the soil moisture and in, 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 in adding it accordingly to, to what we think is necessary versus just some random setting um, or like a Blue Mods system. I'm not, I'm not into Blue Mods. Uh, but uh, – but I know people who are. I'm not, we can still be friends if you're in the Blue Mountains. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now nah, we'll, we'll be doing just basically a bub, uh, just a, a bubbler type system uh, with some drippers, um, and uh, just it'll all be turned on manually, off manually. So we'll still be turning on or off manually, but it won't be literally hand watering the beds. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Awesome. That's encouraging, man. And. Um... I know um, at a certain point uh, you seem like you had aspirations to bring more to the market um, than just GLP. Um, is that still kind of an idea of yours to, to expand out more than just uh, doing uh, GLP for yourself? Um, like I, one thing is I, I see people say they, they turn to you for help in their facilities. You know, are you, are you consulting for people or just helping people out on the side? Like how does that work? You know, I, a lot of people ask me for help. Um, I, I'm not really trying to consult me. I, I got burned on a business deal one time. It gave a really bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to do business with anybody, man. I'll be honest, dude. Uh, you could be the nicest person in the world, but I'm just not really digging anybody right now. Uh, I got my four original business partners. They're great. I love them. Um, 
well, there's a couple small ones too that I love too. But anyways, uh, I'm just not in a hurry to expand and to get into some drama. Uh, usually people, when they want a consultant, they, they want somebody to deal with their problems. And I ain't about that. I got my own problems. I got my own solutions. Uh, I like helping people though. So like if I see somebody who I feel like is on the right foot, they're, they're, they're you know, they have a goodness, a good sentence to them. Yeah, if I, if I could point them in the right direction, um, help them out, get them on the right foot, yeah, I'm, I'm always that guy. Um, but yeah, I, I try not to consult, not to say that I won't. Like if there's an uh, awesome project out there with a great team, yeah, my, my door is always open. But don't get offended if I don't walk through it, all right? I'm just <laughs> not you. It's, 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 it's 100% me. I'm, I've been burned, um, and I'm just not really looking to get burned ever again. Uh, so that's my only thing with consulting, man. I'm just, I'm down to help. I, I'm not really trying to put my hundred percent anything uh, other than GLP right now. I, I think that's probably the best possible answer anybody was hoping because it's like, if you're doing the right thing and moving forward in the right direction, you got the right vibe and you don't need too much help. And it's just like, Hey, what's the right decision? This is my problem. You'd probably love to put your two cents in and, and put them in the right direction. Well, yeah, because people are going to be involved in the system with or without me, and I want to be on that page with them. You know, if they find something out that works, um, and I help them get there, uh, I want to know. I want. I want to. Yo, what what works, what doesn't. So, uh, I don't want to cut myself off from the community in any way. Um, I just, I just know. Yeah, I'm just careful who I let close to me. I'm careful who I share with um, to some degree. Uh, but yeah, again, man, like I always try to point people in the right direction. People call me all the time looking for soil. You know, I know, I know where to point them to depending on what they're looking for. Um, people ask me uh, for this, for that. I'm always pointing people to you guys. Uh, but I'm just re- I recommend companies that work well for me. Um, and I, I try to put people down, but I just tell people where to go, what to do, uh, play devil's advocate with them, and things like that. But as far as consulting goes, um, yeah, definitely not my thing. Nice, nice. Um, I think I got one last question for you because I'm just thinking about how much fun you're having on that five acres of property behind you there and all that good stuff. Um, what's a big project you want to you're gonna you're gonna tackle first on there? So I'm kind of hesitant, man, because I mean, if you grow a lot of food, you gotta be able to do something with it. Um, my so my my thing is I do want to be able to grow some food, but um, I just don't have the time right now, and I'm not really trying to compost an acre of food every year. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I'm I'm really trying to take my time and 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 find the time. Really, isn't be the, the, the key thing. Uh, but once once I find the time to do it, like right now, um, my main focus has been just planting trees. Um, you can't plant trees soon enough. Should have planted them yesterday, kind of thing. Uh, so right now my main focus is just working on my trees, getting my trees up and going, um, and just maintaining the property really five acres by itself just to maintain, um, is a lot of work before, let alone expanding or adding to, um, so right now I'm just maintaining, getting my trees back to the health, um, planting as much trees as I can. Um, uh, but when the time comes, I have a, a section of the property. Well, actually it's right behind me, uh, right behind the pool right there. It's about an acre. Um, it was a horse corral. This used to be a, a mini horse farm, apparently. Um, they have an old horse corral back there. Um, it's perfect for, for throwing some rows and growing some food. Um, I have a 7,000 square foot barn. Um, not sure what the hell I'm going to do with that. I got a pole barn. that's like 7,000 square foot. Again, I'm not, I'm down to get some animals, but I ain't trying yeah. to get that many. Animals. Uh, so we'll see, man. I, I have plenty of room to grow into. Don't really hundred percent know where it's going to go. Um, but we'll see. Awesome. That's cool, man. I hope you have a lot of fun there. And if you ever need any uh, grassroots beds for growing food, and I know you're probably going to give away food or do something like that, we'll we'll definitely be shipping you some stuff, man. Always. So just yeah, know that. My, my, as far as that goes, we gotta get you. I got, you gotta get your whole team out here, dude. Yeah, uh, definitely. 
Well, there ain't no, no, no events this year to come out too, I guess. So uh, hopefully this COVID thing get behind us. Yeah, it needs to get behind us pretty soon here. I think um, I think it's on its way. That's for sure. Um, it, do you have any suggestions for who else I should have on the show next, or who else? Any other people you'd like to see if if you uh, uh, want? If you were on the other end of it watching this, who would you invite on here? Um. All right, I got a couple people. Uh, I would say Ganja Gill because I know he doesn't like doing shit like this. Um, <laughs> He's a really good hash maker, and he's, he's a highly intelligent dude. So I, I think he has a lot of good things worth um, worth saying, uh, worth worth hearing. Um, uh, I know the new cool kid on the block uh, is uh, Bryant, the soil doctor, uh, highly yeah. intelligent, uh, very charismatic, but kind of funny. Uh, he'd be a good one. I know people are, are digging what he's saying right now. I, I know I am. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I could text you some though, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good guys out there right now. Um, but yeah, it's great. You, you know, definitely. I'm just finally expanding it out. You're the first grower we have on here and talking about that kind of stuff. So now it's like let's get in more into the growers and more into the influential people that are going to really help us get through this in the next five to ten years. So you know, anytime you got any suggestions, man, definitely. I'd love to love to have, uh, receive that text message for sure. Hundred percent, bro. All right, man. Well, we good or how how we doing? Yeah, we're doing great, man. I think um, we got a lot of information out. I'm really excited about this episode, and um, I think people are going to feel a lot more familiar with Steve from Green Life Productions and and a little insight because like the way you do things is different, man. And it has a, a big and it even reflects me on myself. I've learned a lot through this episode and and how I'm going to do things in my own grow and things that I could accomplish too better and more efficient. So let's move to those efficiencies. Let's just make life easier and, and that's what you're all about if, man if you find something that you, you want to play devil's advocate about hit me up dude let me know bro i'm always uh i'm always learning new things always expanding my knowledge um and i'm not stuck on anything so if you guys could do something better if you find something that works better that i said let me know man please keep me posted well thank you for all your input steve and um thank you for being who you are man we appreciate you all right take care tyler appreciate it bro all right you have a good one